Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Gong, the podcast hosting conversations about the earliest stages of startup sales and all the fun stories that come from companies with little cash, no precedence, and lots of guts. My name is Adriel, and I will be your host today. And today, we are going to talk about my 10th grade teacher, Mr. Chorba's favorite subject ever, writing. Shout out, Mr. Chorba. Writing is an incredible skill, and it's so relevant to any stage of sales and any kind of sales that you're doing. Uh, selling investors on your vision through slide decks, selling employees on joining your company uh, through the emails you send them and the offer letters, and of course, selling prospects and turning them into clients through blog, through copy, through strong email writing, cold emails. Learning to write is learning to sell. Uh, I learned this quite a few years ago. It was really beaten into me by a good professor, well, possibly to begin with, my 10th grade teacher, Mr. Chorba, uh, and then moved on to a uh, business writing professor, Dr. Harms, over at UNC. Learning business writing, learning clear communication is so important in sales, and I've spent a ton since then on learning to write better. Um, highly recommend a few courses. I think my favorite one is Neville Medora's copywriting course, spelled with a K, K-O-P-Y, copywriting. Uh, highly worth that, I think, $500 price tag there. I learned a lot from him. And then, of course, there's a few books. There's one that my guests and I talk a bit about uh, in our conversation today, Stephen King's On Writing, uh, which is a book he wrote actually right after a near-death experience. And he tells that story as well as why he decided to to write a piece about teaching from one of the highest grossing authors of all time. Uh, another one being Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, who is a, uh, which is a fantastic book, first introduced to me by Tim Ferriss. They've shaped my own writing and really impact everything I do for work. And so as I continue to think about how to be better at sales, I wanna continue to improve writing. And that's where today's conversation came in because I, when I stumbled across this guy's blog uh, and all of his work uh, as a writing agency, I, I wanted to learn a lot more about he, how he does his thing because our guest today is an expert in both writing and sales. Cole Schaefer is a writer, marketer, and hopeless romantic behind Honey Copy. That's honeycopy.com, one of the best business writing, coaching, and creative sites that I've ever found. Cole's written sales, advertising, and website copy for companies as wide-ranging as The Hustle, probably the best newsletter ever, check out The Hustle, Capital.com, and the American Ultimate Disc League, and many, many others. Cole specializes in writing words that help to sell, in his own words, like a Florida snow cone vendor on the hottest day of the year. Cole has been immensely successful with his business, earning five times the industry average for a copywriter just after his first or second year here. And after you read some of his work at Honey Copy or check out the newsletter he puts out, I think you'll see why. And I actually took a lot of what he wrote about. He's got his great blog post about how to write an About Us page. I took that and transformed an About Us page of a, of a company I work on today uh, almost directly from Cole. So um, huge insights gained from him, and I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, we get into how to write great headlines, how to hook your prospects, and really about how to put the heart and soul of your company into the written word. So I, I hope you enjoy this treatise on writing with Cole Schaefer. Cole Schaefer, my friend, welcome to the gun. What's up, man? Uh, really happy to be here. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, this is going to be super fun. I became addicted to the Honey Copy blog, the one you write, 
among many other other things, a few weeks ago. Um, so I am a little fanboying here, excited to, to talk and learn. And I thought the best place to start would be for you to tell us a little bit about Honey Copy, um, but specifically would love to understand how you structure the first meetings with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So Honey Copy is a creative writing shop where uh, I work with various brands on uh, essentially just writing better words. Uh, a lot of the copy um, you read out there, whether it's via email or website copy or uh, blog posts, ebooks, all that good stuff, it's just, it's just really bad and it's boring and a lot of times it's kind of filled with jargon. Um, and so I, my job is to come in and try to write in such a way that it uh, it can can really uh, gain gain the reader's attention and then ultimately lead to a sale or booking a meeting or, or whatever. So that's kind of that's kind of the background of what Honey Copy is. Now, as far as structuring the first structuring the first meeting goes, uh, are you asking just as far as uh, lead gen or more just when I jump on a call with a client for the first time? What does that look like? Uh, I I think maybe that. That first call where you jump on with them, I'm particularly curious what you try to get at. You know, if, if they didn't need you, they'd be writing their own copy if they had all the answers. So I'm especially curious about what kind of questions you ask them to better understand what they're going for so that you can then turn that into sweet writing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the first question I ask them is what, what they currently don't like about their tone or style. Um, and so I've done this for about three years now, and I've written everything from sales emails to a full-blown kind of website uh, rewrite. And um, what I found is it's less about, hey, we don't, uh, we, we need website copy, and more about, hey, we really don't like our tone of voice right now. It's coming across too buttoned up, or um, maybe it, uh, people aren't taking us seriously enough, or, or whatever. So generally, I'll kick things off by asking you know, what, what aren't you digging about uh, how you're sounding, uh, how you're sounding as people read you? And then from there, uh, they'll be able to kind of go off on, they'll go off on a tangent usually where they say, you know, we don't like this or that. And then from there, um, I'll step in and say, well, where do you think's like a good place to start? And I found a lot of times, while, while some people know exactly where that is, I found my job when I kind of put on that sales hat is to tell them sort of what I think they need. So before the call, a lot of times I'll jump on their website, uh, do some reading there, read some of their articles. Uh, if they have a um, newsletter, I'll join that and just read a couple of their first emails they send me if they have any. Um, and then from there, I'll be able to make some some pretty serious like recommendations. Uh, so I, I found my job is... Uh, is really kind of acting as like a consultant on that first call. And then of course, like you naturally have to get into budget and, and get an idea of like, uh, if they can, you know, afford to work with me or if it'd be better to pass them off to a different copywriter um, who's in my uh, network. Yeah, so let's start with that, that first part of it. It sounds like oftentimes they already recognize their problem. They say, hey, here's a thing that we don't like about what we do, is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and so why do you think that they, these smart people, recognize their own problems, right? If they didn't know they had a problem, you reached out and you said, hey, I'm cold. Do you realize that your customers think your blog posts are way too tacky? That'd be one thing. It seems like they understand that there's something not too kosher going on. Why 
are they unable to write in the voice that they want to write in to begin with? Yeah, so I think, I think there's a couple things that are happening. One, a lot of times when clients are reaching out to me, they've read one of my articles on Honeycopy or an article I republished to Medium or LinkedIn. Uh, and in those situations about writing better headlines or coming up with a better weekly newsletter that can land more clients or how to write better stories in your articles, uh, when, they, when, they, when they read those, it creates some type of trigger like in their own head where they're like, oh crap, like our, our stuff's a lot worse than we realized. You know, so I think it sparks a little bit of uh, action in, in them to call. But the other thing to remember too is writing is, is really, really difficult for a lot of people. Uh, and I think that's an important for anyone in sales to remember is that when you're viewing yourself as the sales, uh, like I'm a copywriter, but half the time I work sort of as the sales rep for Honey Copy, right? Because I'm kind of selling myself. If you view yourself as like bringing them a solution to a really, really difficult problem, now all of a sudden the narrative changes in your own head where you're no longer thinking, hey, I'm bothering people because I'm asking them for money, essentially, right? Instead, you're trying to solve their problems. So I think at the core of it, writing is just a very difficult uh, thing to do. Um, and for a lot of these entrepreneurs who I work with, uh, their focus is on building a company. It's not necessarily on writing the best emails. Uh, so I think they, they read their, their emails or blog posts or whatever, and they just recognize, hey, this, this could be a lot better. Let's hire a professional. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I like the point where you made where, first of all, you are very much the salesperson because you need to get clients for honey copy. And uh, the way I'd like to talk about sales is it's really just trading value for value. So you have something someone else wants, which is in your case, good writing skills. In my case, self-driving car. Uh, and they have something you want, which is almost always some sort of financial compensation. Sometimes it could be a recommendation, a promotion, let's go speak at this conference together, highlight my writing, whatever it might be. But you're trading that value for that value. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's a great way to look at it. Because otherwise, you just uh, it's hard to have a lot of confidence as a sales representative because you sort of view yourself. It's easy to view yourself as that guy in, in the mall trying to sell you hair products you know, while you're walking and he's at the kiosk and you're like, don't bother me. You know, uh, it's, you have to view yourself as really this problem solver. You know? What percentage do you think of the clients you work with come to you uh, versus being more outbound leads? You're looking up websites, you send them a cold email and you say, hey, I'm Cola and I can do this for you. Great question. So when I first started this thing, uh, I was sending out about 50 cold emails a day. Um, and that, that worked well. I just realized that, hey, this doesn't have to be this hard. Um, and so that's when I got into writing articles. Uh, and now my, I would say my inbound is about 95%. And every once in a great while, I'll find like a really cool company that I just have to work with and I'll send them a cold email and follow up with them. So uh, be, being more inbound has allowed me to go deeper with my outbound, if that makes sense. Not just sort of send this shotgun scatter blast and try to get a bunch of different emails out there, but instead find a really cool company and send them three or four different emails, maybe even write an article that features them 
uh, and then send them that article. So it's just allowed me to go deeper with those relationships, but definitely 95% is, is uh, people finding my articles, signing up for my newsletters, and then reaching out from there. Yeah, I, I bet you wrote the best cold emails in the world when you were writing 50 a day. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny because I was brand new to copywriting, and I actually had no idea what copywriting was at the time, but it was just cool because as I was selling myself as this, writer that can help these startups write blogs. That's kind of where I started was just writing blogs. Um, it kind of taught me how to write uh, better copy because I was essentially trying to get this uh, person to jump on a call with this random 22-year-old kid from, you know, southern Indiana. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it taught me to write write better copy for sure. And so what, uh, when you're writing these cold emails, two questions. One, the person reading your email really matters. So how did you begin to define who your sort of target is in terms of who you're going to send this to? You know, you might do something to the CEO and that's great if it's a two person company, but very not going to take you anywhere if it's a fortune 100. And the second question is how did you structure a cold email? Cause a lot of early stage sales is about cold emailing, especially as you're building up your inbound channels, you're beginning to write that blog post, you're beginning to write that newsletter. But in the beginning, you need your first few clients, and in a B2B perspective especially, uh, which is what Honeycopy is, you're doing a bunch of cold outreach. So how did you identify who to send these emails to? And then what kind of advice do you have about how to structure a cold email? Yeah, okay, so I think there's, I'll, I'll kind of discuss like my process now, because I think it's a lot more effective when I do do outbound emails but um like so when i'm sending a cold e email now i kind of have a list of a hundred dream companies that i would love to work with you know before i before honey copies no more you know so i have time but like i i kind of have these as the big gargantuan like companies that i would just love to work with and for me those companies aren't aren't massive companies so we're not talking five thousand person companies they're really companies with employees between 25 and uh, maybe 250 people. Uh, because I found that those companies, it's much easier to get onboarded there, right? We don't, I don't have to go through 10 different decision makers. But they also are far enough along that they have the capital to really be able to let me run with the copy, and I don't have to fight with them too much on, on price. Uh, and then on top of that, a lot of times those companies are a little bit smaller, so they value a little bit of that creativity uh, a little more. And I could be generalizing there. It's just sort of what I found. So I, I try to find companies that sort of fit within that, uh, that I would say, niche. Uh, and then from there, um, it's really companies that are open to being a little bit more edgy, a little bit more conversational, uh, with their copy because that's that's really how I write uh, on honey copy and I'll kind of tell you a story about so one of my biggest clients like I got early on it was within I want to say the first six months of writing copy and I really had no idea what I was doing but it was uh, the hustle which is this really dope uh, business newsletter Huge fan of the hustle. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. So they, uh, I actually don't, I don't work with them anymore. It was like a three or four month stint. I think at the time I just wasn't, uh, on the level yet to really do some, some big value for them. But I attribute so much of my success today from writing for them because they, in a lot of ways kind of taught me to write, uh, with more of this edgy conversational tone. But anyway, so I, uh, 
when I was reaching out to them, I knew, okay, you know what? I don't really want to email someone in the super lower levels of the company. I want to go like straight to the head. So I found Sam Parr's email. Uh, I sent him a, just a really quick email with like the subject line, I found your pen, uh, and then maybe one to two sentences. And it was super short. It was like, uh, hey, I see you do a ton of writing. Um, I've noticed there's some short ads at the, at the bottom of your art or at the bottom of your newsletters. Do you need anyone to write those? Um, he didn't say anything. I respond. I sent him another note like a week later, um, and he goes, "Yeah, sure, Cole. Like I'm interested. Send me some of your stuff." I sent him some of my stuff. Didn't hear from him. Um, and a lot of times with these CEOs, like they're just so busy that they don't respond. And it took me a while to get over this idea of, "Hey, I'm gonna get." Uh, I don't want to take this personal. It's just like the way things go. So from there, kind of going deeper in those those sales versus just moving on to the next one, I actually wrote out a hustle newsletter, and it was actually a brand new newsletter, like outside of, like if the hustle were to open up a second newsletter, this was kind of what I wrote for him. Uh, and I sent it to him, and that was enough to get him to jump on a call with me. And I was actually vacationing in Florida at the time, jumped on a call with him for about 15 minutes uh he was clearly like super busy but it was like hey man like just uh i'm gonna have you send my co-founder an email we'll get you a couple test runs did some test runs they liked it and that was a pretty good client for like three or four months i wrote a lot of those ads at the bottom of their emails but um so i view it as one it's never just one cold email <laughs> it's like three to five follow-ups and then two i think it's so much of sales and marketing is just about being thoughtful uh, with how you're reaching out to people and just going that little extra that little extra bit to just show them, hey, I really, really uh, value you and your company and I'm not just copy and pasting the name in the same email format. I, I don't care to put in a couple hours to like get your attention. And so many people don't want to do that, that it allows you to be really competitive in your space if you are being really thoughtful. If you're doing a little bit of creeping on their LinkedIn to see what they're up to and like tying that into your emails. So I would say that's kind of at the core of everything is just, just being really thoughtful with like how you're reaching out to people. Yeah. There's, there's a couple things that I like there. First of all, shout out to the hustle. Uh, I got Sam Parr to do something for me as well because I sent him a bunch of weird emails. I was a huge fan, a huge fan, maybe four years ago or so they were having one of their first conferences. They called it con con, it was the content conference with a terrible name, but great conference. Great, Con great content. Was this before the Hustle Con or? It was maybe right after their first. Yeah, something. It was a while back. And I, want, I bought my ticket, went to go, and I wanted to meet Sam. So I sent him an email, maybe like four emails, inviting him to go bowling. Knowing that he wasn't going to take me bowling, but I also thought it was weird enough for him to open. And he ended up inviting me to like the, the speakers only and VIP guest dinner the night before. So. Folks like that, they like creativity, they like originality, but it also comes to what you mentioned about you can't have a thousand companies in your cold email list and think you're going to be creative for every single one of them. You've got to be focused. So we do the same thing at UW where we have our list of companies we really want to work with and we'll actually send them one of two things. One is I'll have our designer uh, put out a branded version of one of our vehicles with their company on it. So, you know, if we're trying to get Walmart, we'll paint our vehicle blue, we'll throw the Walmart thing on there, the tagline, save money, live better, and we'll send that to them and say, hey, imagine if you guys had this running around the streets, how cool would that be? Uh, the second thing I found some, which is awesome, because like it right away gives them some sort of creative 
visualization. Exactly. And that's so, that's such a thoughtful thing to do, you know, because like as if you're a company, I mean, if someone did that for me, I recognize, you know, I, I know what graphic design is and I know that takes a little bit of time and for it to look good. And it, it just means something, you know, even if it's not physical, you're just like, oh, they went the extra mile to like really make this stand out, you know? It also gives something very specific to share, right? What you did well in the hustle thing was that you didn't just send an email and say, hey, Sam, do you want me to write those ad copy for you? It's, hey, Sam, here's a, a fake hustle newsletter. And I bet he sent that to his co-founder, to his head of content, or to his head writer, or whatever else. So it gives something shareable. Because the other thing that I found a lot of success with is I use a tool called Vidyard. And on Vidyard, you're able to record videos, uh, embed them right in your email. They look good. You can track who opens them, things like that. I'll record, let's say we're going after one industry, I'll record a similar video, but differently tailored to every single company in that industry. So I won't just say, so I'll stand in front of our car, I'll show how it works, and I won't just say, hey, here's how this works for grocery, and send it out to every grocery contact. I'll say, hey, Kroger, imagine this working for you guys in Cincinnati. Hey, Walmart, imagine this working for you guys in Bentonville. And I'll tailor things their way. So that, that I think cold emailing, you're totally right, works really well when you limit the uh, number of prospects you're sending it to and you bring more depth to what you're putting in there. It, I, I, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And that was my experience early on is just I would, I would email, you know, 300, 400 different people every single week. And my response rate was low and it worked early on. It was about hustling. But you just eventually realize, hey, that you're kind of spamming people unless you're really offering some value in the offering them some value in these cold emails, you know. So yeah, uh, when you begin to work with a company, who becomes your champion? I mean, do you find that it's a someone who works in sales who's working to understand how to better do a deck? Is it somebody who works in marketing? Is it the CEO who says, ah, I don't like anything that's going on here. Cole, come fix it. So who's the champion and how do these all work uh, together? How do they work across the different fields within the company to use this copy as a unified voice? Absolutely. That's a great question. So it all depends on the company size and the level of interest by the CEO. So one, one client I worked with for a long time was a health and fitness company based out of Austin, Texas that does this really dope like holistic style of uh, health and fitness and uses like primal kettlebells and just really weird stuff, but they're really neat. And like their CEO, um, is a writer, um, and obviously didn't have the time to write copy for the company, but he took a very, uh, he just took a huge interest in, in copy. So I worked a lot with him when I was writing co copy for that company. Uh, but other companies, what I've, what I've found to be the norm is if you're a startup that's about, 25 people or less, a lot of times my direct contact is the CEO. Um, but if once it gets larger than that, generally I'm passed off to either a content lead, so maybe someone whose job is to handle all of the content the company puts out, or uh, some type of CMO role within the company. Uh, so it, it really changes, but the people I like to work with are the, the folks who are very much interested in how their company is is sounding you know and how they're reading on paper so yeah a, a lot of because you put out so much content 
there's a lot that people can just go to your website or, or I mean, go anywhere on the internet and begin to learn about how to restructure their own content. And like you said, they might not be great writers. They might not have the time to write. They might not do it professionally. So it'll always be a little bit worse than paying somebody to do it very, very well. But if somebody, if you were to give advice to your, your friend running a 25 person company who's not ready to hire an external copywriter or even internal, what do you think that they should, where should they start to begin to write better copy for themselves? Yeah, so I think it's a mix of both copy and uh, sort of sales development. But first and foremost, I would say the, the best place to start is view yourself and view your, your target market, not as a, a company of however many people and a target market of women between the ages of 25 and 34. Instead say, if my company was a person, what would uh, he or she's name be? Right. If I was out to dinner with him or her, what what would their interest be? So let's say let's call uh, it a him. Uh, if I'm out to dinner with him, how old is he? What what type of conversations would he want to have at the dinner table? Um, what what type of career would he work? Um, what what does he do in his free time? How does he come across? Does he have like a really edgy tone or is he more buttoned up? Um, and from there, you can kind of build out your brand, not as a brand, but as like a person. And then from there, when you look at your customer, I've, I've always hated the idea of like my target market is women between the ages of 25 and 40, because a woman who's 25 has nothing in common with someone who is 40 most of the time. So really what you're doing is doing the same thing. You're essentially asking yourself these questions and saying, what uh, what does she do in her free time? You know, where where does she like to eat? What does she like to uh, how what workouts does she like to do? You get like really really granular, and you kind of build out this profile of like who your customer is, and you even give them a name. And then when you start writing copy, suddenly it's no longer this really ambiguous conversation between these two large bodies of people. It's really just this dialogue between two people. Uh, and it allows you to take a step back after the copy's written and say, hey, does this sound like something Steve, our brand, would say? And does it sound like something Sarah, uh, our customer, would want to read and would actually take action after reading? So that's more, I would say, a macro view uh, on a more like micro level that people can do immediately to improve their copy is take a step back from the page and start saying what it is you're wanting to write. And then from there, you can actually pull out a recorder and you can just like record yourself selling whatever it is you're selling. Or uh, if, if I were, like for example, for a lot of, a, a problem a lot of salespeople struggle with is they are amazing verbally, but they really struggle when they have to get down and like actually write out like a sales pitch without it sounding super salesy. Well, an easy hack there is just pull out your tape recorder and just record yourself kind of selling whatever it is you're selling to someone and then playing it back. And from there, you can just start pulling out the bits and pieces that sound really, really good. And that's going to take on a much more natural conversational tone than if you were to sit down and just write out the copy. Uh, because for a lot of people, like they, aren't, they haven't read copywriting books and all that, so they don't really know where to start. Uh, and I think that's a really easy way to just immediately like improve your writing and make it sound more personal. Oh, wow, I love uh, both of those tips are, are really fantastic, especially the second one. I think not enough salespeople, especially in those stage, record themselves 
and we listen to their recordings. We think we're doing a fantastic job all the time, but especially when you're doing this for the first hundred times in a, in a new company, you're stumbling, you're bumbling, the adrenaline is legitimately rushing, and you might not have a very clear sense at all of what you're talking about, what works. If you're able to record yourself, first of all, love the tip of being able to take your best lines and turn that into writing. But second of all, just advice from a sales perspective is you'll be able to take those best spoken lines and make sure to uh, develop those a little bit more. Yeah, hone them. Yeah, I, that's a that's a great point. So yeah, I mean that would be that would be like my first piece of advice just on on writing, like the writing side. But from there, I think like one thing I remember with one thing I keep in mind with just my my business development at Honeycopy is. Uh, you know, for me, there's like cold leads, which are cold emails, and those are those those are difficult to sell. Then there's warm leads, and those are those are essentially everyone that comes in through the content I've created. Kind of viewing that as like a pyramid. Like the first section is all the articles people read, and uh, then from there they'll go down, and they might give me their email, sign up for my newsletters. Each week I hit them with a newsletter. If they like that, they go down one more level. They buy my copywriting guide, which is $97. Uh, and that's like a very easy like initial investment. And then from there, a lot of times those customers will turn into the customers that will hire me for a, a five-part email sequence or a website. And that's, we're talking in the thousands. So I kind of view for sales development, what I would tell anyone would just be like, start producing a ton of, really, really valuable articles that can kind of act as that sort of shotgun blast that we talked about where we can just pull in a bunch of different people that could potentially be interested. And then remembering that 95% of the people who land on your website aren't ever going to come back again. So let's get their email address. And then from there, develop a really, really killer newsletter that we can send every single week to them. And just slowly turning them from cold to like warm too hot. And so what I found is like a lot of times the people that reach out to me after being on my newsletter, I don't have to sell them. They're already sold. They've checked out my prices on my website. They already know I'm exactly the person uh, they want to they work with. So what happens is it's no longer this, this awkward kind of sales pitch, which I'm, I don't, I think the reason I do all this is because I don't consider myself great at sales, like verbally. <laughs> and it just turns into this conversation of like, okay, what do you have going on? How can we solve that problem? You know? How did you decide to price the snow cone, 10,000 word snow cone piece at $97? Great question. So, <laughs> um, a hundred dollars to me feels like a lot of money, but $97 when I when I thought okay so a hundred dollars seems like a lot ninety seven something mentally in my mind just feels like ninety seven dollars is a lot less than a hundred um, and so I I priced it at ninety seven when I launched it I basically said hey everyone on my list who's it was a twenty five hundred person list you you kind of believed in me early you joined the list like I want to just give you a fifty percent discount you know because at that time ninety seven dollars was like it, it still felt like a lot of a lot of money, you know, even though uh, mentally it's like a little different than a hundred. But so a bunch of people bought it at that fifty percent off. And then from there I said, okay, well, let's just see if people continue to buy it at ninety seven dollars. Uh, and yeah, folks just like kept buying it and they still are. And um, for me, that's just been ve being very transparent where it's like, hey, this isn't a course that's gonna take you weeks and weeks and weeks and to complete. 
in an afternoon you're going to read it and you're going to be able to revisit it and apply it like immediately. Uh, and for a lot of uh, founders and marketers that I've worked with that have bought it, you know, 400 people have bought the guide and five people have asked for refunds. And I've given every single one of them refunds. But that to me is like a pretty high success rate. And so 97 has seemed like a fair, that value trade we were talking about, it just seems like it's been a really good value trade, you know. Yeah, the discounting one is, is a classic because, uh, yeah, and you could always just, if you want to sell something for 100 bucks but nobody's buying it, sell it for 200 and give give a uh, 50% off, and that all of a sudden becomes a fantastic deal. I learned that one from my father who's been in marketing and sales for uh, his entire career, and he recently launched a new program, and so he does exactly that. He's got a $750 seminar, except for a limited time only, it's 50% off. It just happens to have been that way for yeah. For Forever. Two years now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. People um, love discounts, man. I mean, I love them personally, you know, as, <laughs> as a consumer. So it, they make buying a lot easier. Uh, so I want to I want to go into a few uh, fire round questions um, where I'll uh, we'll, we'll cover some of these points and a few others. Um, so I wanted to start with a favorite, which is are there any sales or startup books that have been particularly helpful to you? Oh man, yeah. So first of all, if like any anyone who's interested in writing better on writing by Stephen King is a great place to start. Uh, so that's, that's the one uh, he says, uh, "Kill your darlings." Yes, kill your darlings, kill your darlings. Yeah, that's that's a phenomenal line, and it's it's a great piece of advice. But that's a great book. Um, the Twenty Two Immutable Laws of Marketing. Um, I read that this year, and that like just completely blew my By, mind. Uh, Al Reese and Jack Trout. I think that one is yeah. Somebody, actually, Viv Faga, um, who you listen to, recommended another book by them called Persuasion, uh, the the Battle for Your Mind or something like Positioning. It's called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind. Same authors, so I just bought that one. And I'll let you know what I think. Yeah, man, I'll check that out too. That's, but that book, that book's phenomenal. Um, and then, uh, I feel like this gets recommended all the time, but it's for good reason. Purple Cow by uh, Seth Godin. That's 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 a phenomenal book. Um, Startup Nation is really really good. It's just what was that one? Startup Nation. Okay. Um, it's it's phenomenal, but it's like about. Uh, Israel and how um, Israel that's right, that's right. yeah has become just like or became this hot spot for startups and they it kind of talks about how that developed and so it's like a really fascinating narrative uh, but I think that there's a lot of good stuff in there just in terms of like that startups and really any company can can like begin applying um, so yeah those would be those would be three that I would kind of start with I think like for mindset some of these ideas are are dated now um but think and grow rich is like a really great one for mindset um and i try to revisit that book like every single year yeah but we have uh, we got to share more books so i think we have a very similar taste i forgot about startup nation but that is an awesome book and it talks about how israel's tech sector really grew up as a outgrowth of their military uh competence much like america's but in a much more uh, pressure cooker sort of way. Yeah, it's um, it's so it's awesome fascinating. Narrative. Even when they talk about like the leadership structures, like in their military, and how that was able to kind of foster this startup mindset. Um, and then I actually like am about done with uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, I feel like I would hope most people would read that, but if you haven't, just like that's phenomenal. I mean, just hearing that's, hearing their story. 
the biography of the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm, I think I might be late to the party there, but it's, it's damn good. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cole, do you have a uh, bit of copy, a one-liner that you are particularly proud of? A one-liner that I'm particularly proud of. Um, yes. Let me, let me go to my, my little portfolio on my site and kind of pull up my. Because I was, I was looking through quite a few. What you did for the American Disc League was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I helped them bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars to start the league. So I'm wondering what else that I haven't found that you are, uh, that was particularly snarky or worthwhile. Yeah, particularly snarky. Um, so, okay, so I think, I think one... So one company I I work with right now is it's called Butterfly uh, IQ and it's a fascinating company. But it, they they essentially have created a handheld ultrasound device that plugs into your iPhone and you can take an ultrasound of anyone just like directly from your phone. Um, and most ultrasounds run hundreds of thousands of dollars but this one runs $2,000 as the initial price, and then like you have to pay a subscription fee. So it's completely like revolutionizing um, uh, like the ultrasound industry entirely. Like it's, it's crazy. P, uh, hospitals now can have it to where nurses, every nurse in a wing can have one, whereas before it would be this big clunky machine that you'd kind of have to roll in. Um, but anyways, it's... In a lot of ways, the product does sell itself, but it you know it, it kind of feels like too good to be true at times because it's it's like kind of unheard of. But uh, so I've written copy for them, and like I've done the a lot of the website copy. And um, one line I really like is ultrasound, comma ultra simplified, uh, whole body imaging starting under two K plus subscription. Um, but I really like the line ultrasound, comma ultra simplified, and we kind of like design the site. Uh, similar to sort of an Apple feel, and I can send you a link in this, but uh, I love when um, headlines can be short, super punchy, and in a way almost read like prowls, not like copy. Um, so, so yeah, that's like one line just off the top of my head I've, I've really been digging lately, and then on my site, like kind of my motto is uh, write pretty words that sell like hell, and people, <laughs> people tend to really dig that, so. Yeah, Awesome. Uh, what would you say has been your best failure? Or in other words, a, a failure that has later led to unexpected successes? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, hmm. I would say actually, I, I don't know my best, but I can give you an idea. Recently, I accepted a website project for copy that, was, uh, that I really discounted my services for. Um, and... They in and so when that happens, kind of immediately when you when you discount your services and and we're not talking products, right? Like the copywriting guide, I at the end of the day don't have to show up and write copy. People can just buy it and that's whatever. But when you're discounting your a service you're providing, you're sort of devaluing your time. Uh, and so I did that recently with this website uh, because I was like, you know, I I really like this company. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and discount my services here because they. They obviously like don't have the budget, but I really want to work with them. And what happened is they kind of asked me to discount by about thirty to forty percent, but then expected me to deliver, uh, you know, even higher than what I consider a, a really high level of service. So it what it created was sort of this 
internal resentment in me. And then I think they even felt like, hey, we're not, he's not even giving us enough value here, you know? And so what that kind of taught me was you're better off, uh, you're better off working you're as a, as, as a freelancer, you know, and I guess this is more advice for me, but like you're better off working with a company where you're getting the rate that you want to get because it allows you to deliver more on your services, right? Because you're going into it with the right mindset. You're going into it feeling like you've really valued yourself. Uh, so that, that was kind of like a recent sort of uh, stumble that just made me realize, hey, like pricing is a really big deal. And the companies that are going to haggle you on price really, really hard early on tend to not always be the best customers down the road. Like I think that's a big red flag like early on is the, the folks that really try to nickel and dime you like right from the bat, uh, a lot of times are, are going to be more difficult to work with uh, down the road. You know, yeah, more things will I, come up. I think that goes a lot further than just for freelancers. I mean, I see that all the time in, in most things I try to sell. Self-driving cars are a fantastic example. You think we're selling to the biggest companies in the world. This is an incredibly expensive technology. Um, what are we haggling on, really? Like a couple thousand dollars? What's, what's going to happen? So what I tell them the minute that conversation begins is something along the lines of, sure, we can talk about a lower price or higher price or different terms, but I want you to know that our job here is not to, our job here is to be partners together in something absolutely revolutionary. And if you want to take a couple thousand dollars off of what you're paying us, that's entirely fine, but you've got to recognize that that means that we are going to take a couple thousand dollars off of what we're able to deliver. Not what we want to deliver, but we're able to. So I say very clearly, if you want 110% of our effort, this is the price. If you want less effort, that's all right. We'll, we'll put in less effort, but uh, you, you do. And saying that simply is always the best way to go. Uh, Cole, this has been a ton of fun. Um, I've learned a ton. I thought one fantastic way to, to put a bow on top of everything is to come back to something you've recently written. Uh, you recently released a uh, poetry and compilation anthology uh, called One Minute, Please. And I am immensely curious to hear what a honey copy poem sounds like so tell us about one minute please and would love to do a live reading here on the gong How oh goodness this? yeah ab absolutely and uh it's so it's a, a book on poetry and prowse so it's kind of a one minute please is a compilation of 191 uh short reads that sit right around like the one to two minute mark uh and uh, so what I figured I would read today is just like a really short story I wrote while I was living in Nashville. Um, and I'm actually living in Chicago now, but I'll go ahead and, and read it. Um, this one's called Eugene. Um, <clears throat> I'll go ahead and kick it off. Uh, I had two gin and tonics and called an Uber. Eugene, an African-American gent in his mid-60s, picked me up, and I sat quietly in the car looking out the window at the Nashville skyline. Eugene had a calmness about him that was difficult to describe. 
being, being in his presence made you feel like the world was spinning slower in a sort of sunny Saturday afternoon kind of way. His voice sounded like something you'd hear on a meditation cassette. I asked Eugene what he did for a living besides drive Uber, and not to my surprise, he said he was a therapist. I asked him if that was why his voice sounded the way it did, and he said yes. He said when you talk to people whose worlds are burning down, you keep your voice quiet, steady, still, and consistent. He said your voice controls the energy in the room, and in many ways, it controls the emotions of the individual in front of you. Moments later, we pulled up to my stop. I got out of the car, and before I shut the door, I told him I thought he was a great therapist. He nodded, smiled, and drove off. Still to this day, I'm not sure if Eugene drives Uber because he has to or because he's out late at night putting out fires. I'd guess the latter. Um, so yeah, that's, that's page 25 of One Minute, please. Um, also to tie that back, uh, after, after like rereading that now, a thought popped in my head. It was just, you know, in, in sales, you know, in a lot of ways, I do think like your voice has a lot of control um, and just like trying to remain calm like on the phone and, and have that, that air of confidence like in, in how you're speaking like matters matters a ton so yeah uh, beautiful poem I think you're totally right huge relation to sales because I forgot the percentages but it's something like uh, 8% or, or what matters is, is 8% what you're saying 50% how you're saying it and then whatever's left 42% the facial expressions with which you're talking oh absolutely uh, like when you listen to voice. Robert De Niro speak you know you he could sell you anything I mean his voice is so <laughs> stunning and striking that I think that we could really adopt that in our own our own business you know so. yeah never split the difference is uh, a favorite book of my own and a few other people have been on the podcast by former FBI uh, terrorist negotiator Chris Voss okay and he talks a lot about voice he talks okay. about having your radio DJ voice, which is your calm and slow. Really? All right, uh, man, I'm glad you recommended <laughs> that. I'll have to sales. check that one out. Um, Cole, this is awesome. Where can people learn more about Honey Copy, about One Minute, please? About where to buy One Minute, please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, you can just check me out on www.honeycopy.com. Um, and then once you're on that page, uh, up in the left-hand corner there's you can I want you to poke around there like don't just sign up for my newsletter just to but if you're digging kind of what's going on you'll easily be able to find it it's just under the link subscribe on the website um, and from there you know I I share a ton about like how I'm marketing one minute please uh, because I'm using a completely different audience it's my audience on Instagram and it's much more of a creative writing audience that knows nothing about marketing uh, so I, I share a ton in my newsletter just about like how I'm marketing it, uh, what, what, how I'm positioning the book and um, sort of like not going the bookstore route but going more the coffee shop route as far as like physical locations because there's less competition there. And so I, uh, there's a lot of like marketing uh, lessons I'm pulling from it. So even if you're not into creative writing and stuff, you know, uh, I'll, there's some marketing gems I share. So. Awesome. Well, Cole, thank you very, very much for this awesome episode. I look forward to a, a round two sometime in the future. Awesome, dude. I really appreciate you having me on, dude. All right. Well, there you have it. Cole Schaefer, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to learn more from or about Cole, check out honeycopy.com, and I highly recommend signing up for his newsletter. You will learn a ton 
Or if you're looking for something a little more romantic, check out his book of poetry, One Minute Please, which you can find on gumroad.com. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review and a rating. I would so, so love that. Or you can find me all over the internet.